transmitting to you from Old Heart Radio. Prepare to have your bones chilled and your hairs raised. It's the Whack Arnold's Brothers Podcast. Welcome home. Oh, oh, oh. It's magic. It's, magic. <laughs> it's the Whack Arms Brothers. <laughs> no, I, uh, uh, I gotta, no. we gotta work on incorporating some, that better. Uh, <laughs> either way, <laughs> Jesus, dude, we're back uh, for episode 41. Uh, mm-hmm. Still breaking down the 80s, you know, we're yeah. still doing an 80s movie roundup. Yes, um, sir. What years are we doing this, this episode, David? Uh, 1983, 84, and 85. Yeah, so, you got it. Some juicy before, years. It's no, so uh, sorry. What's up? I was just gonna say, as you get more into the eighties, it just gets juicier and juicier. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good shit in the eighties. I really, it's one of those things where it makes me wish that I would have uh, been born in like the seventies, so I could have went and seen all these fucking movies in theaters. You know what I mean? Oh my god, dude. Yeah, one hundred. Like I, I feel like. You know, and this may sound stupid to the to somebody else, but I would use like if I could only use a time machine like three times, I would probably use it on like going to see. I, I don't know which movie, but going like to Star see Wars like Star Wars and theaters, like, yeah, yeah, or like one of these epic horror. You know, like when 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 you know fucking Friday the Thirteenth first dropped. You know, right, something right, like that. Right. Like just just for like a moment or two like that. You know, that'd be cool. Yeah. It, oh, dude, just being in a theater with like people just like as they're losing and they're like what just happened you know right speaking of theaters i can't we're recording this friday morning you know i gotta work tonight but i fucking can't wait to see the batman this weekend like oh man i've been stoked about it for a while and all i'm seeing is just like rave reviews so i can't wait yeah dude it's the same i've i've been seeing nothing but good things like it's three i can't believe it's three hours though that's crazy but i i'm stoked Dude, when they announced that, I, I I was really surprised that that move that it was longer than The Dark Knight Rises because right. I remember when I saw that movie, like I felt like that movie was like really long. It felt like mm. a really long one, and so it's like uh, anyway, yeah. I, I just wonder all that they're co- gonna pull up Encompass in, in this in movie. movie you know? Yeah, Oof. I'm 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 stoked. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but that being said, we got some good horror movies for y'all this week. We got the, uh, like, like David said, we're doing 83, 84 and 85 and, yeah. um, man, yeah, I feel like we got some good ones, but I say, you know, we always yeah, want to start in chronological order. So we'll start with 1983. Yeah. We got, we got a couple, you know, there's some, I feel like there was a couple 3D movies that came out in 1983. There was Amityville 3D. There was Jaws 3D. So there was still this, you know, this 3D craze going on. Yeah. Uh, Psycho 2 came out in 83. Uh, shout out to Sledgehammer, which uh, <laughs> oh, God. keeps getting brought up. You know, we've we've covered that in full. Uh, Cujo, Cujo came out in yeah, 83. Dude. But I want to talk, which is a good, a very, very solid adaptation for sure. Uh, and a very frightening one. Um, but I want to talk about another uh, Stephen King adaptation that I feel like I just enjoy a little bit more. Uh, having read the book multiple times and seen the movie multiple times, but Christine is just, I feel like 
sometimes his work doesn't really translate to the screen and i feel like tr a book like this could have been easily screwed up uh because i mean if you think about it there's been other movies about killer cars uh yeah. and they could have chose to do something like totally crazy with it but it actually is pretty um uh well, fits pretty well in line with the book and john carpenter's uh christine is just a classic in my opinion yeah so you know i've never read the book so i you know i really I, that's something like as i keep getting into adult life i've really wanted to like get some stephen king on <laughs> you know like it's yeah never a bad decision yeah so i mean i might have to go down to the library and try and check out see if they have a copy of christine um yeah it's a, but it's a good read it's a really from what I remember about this movie, it's like a, I, I really like it's got these really awesome super supernatural elements to it mm -hmm. that you don't mm -hmm. full on see in some other like kind of a like killer car esque movies. All killer car movies have some sort of supernatural element, unless it's just like the driver's fucking crazy, you know. Right. But this one, I, I remember like you really you get that spookiness, but you totally. also, you know, like it, it, scenes it transcends that... just a car. You know right. what I mean? Well, because it's like Arnie, Arnie, like, well, I was going to talk about that too, but like Arnie himself seems to be like possessed himself. Like he, you know, he starts out as this kind of nerdy, you know, quiet guy. But the more that he spends time with Christine, he, it starts to change him. He becomes more of like, um, you know, an arrogant person. Yeah. Uh, he starts dressing different and just, but what uh, you were mentioning is that you are you see these things with the car and there's like multiple scenes where the car really, really cool shots actually of like, there's a scene where um, all of the, uh, um, this, this, this group of bullies that, you know, a, a buddy Rupperton and his gang that pick on, on, uh, on Arnie, they fucking destroy his car. And there's this awesome scene where the car rebuilds itself. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's just like, it's such a, it, even to this day, it's such a cool shot. The way they did that were, I'm pretty sure they just filmed the car being destroyed and then like reverse the footage to make you know what i mean it's so i'm not sure it's I'm so sure smooth looking though dude like it's so it looks so fucking good it looks way better than if they would have like if they made that movie today it'd be all cgi and weird but it's i think it looks great yeah oh i agree man and that and that 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 scene in particular is one of those scenes where like like i said i feel like you know it it, all, it transcends and becomes like this like supernatural you know like really supernatural heavy story where it's like why is it like how does this car do this you know and that's like, and that's what i think is so cool about it is that that's never fully explained no like, yeah that's the one thing that i really like about it is is you know sometimes with movies like this like they feel like uh in the movie they feel like they need to explain and i think sometimes it's cooler with things when there is no explanation and you can like let your mind run wild but it's just you know what i mean no one knows why this fucking plymouth fury is you know seemingly possessed you know what i mean yeah i i, I think it's a, it's a beautiful looking car um, I, I i agree with you man like i i mean and that's something i i, I think i really just enjoy about 
you know a good spooky story is that mm -hmm. you know they they leave you some a good spooky story leaves you with a question at least at the totally. end of it, where you're just like you know did the killer get away uh in this case you like you really just don't know what the fuck is up with this car <laughs> like mm -hmm. you know and and as far as you know like this could just continue you know right because there is like at the like at the end there is uh in the movie there's just the ending is cool where you know they uh, uh like i said arnie starts changing his, yeah. his his best friend and his girlfriend start to notice that he's like essentially in love with his car you know what i mean uh, that's just the a way yeah. you could put it um, yeah, yeah. and you know long story short he he they get in you know uh lay uh, his girlfriend, or sorry, yeah, Lay, his girlfriend, and Dennis, his, his friend, get into like a confrontation with Christine and end up destroying the, like, winning. And they take the car to get uh, uh, to a car crusher, but there's this really cool scene at the end where it's like in a in a block and the radio still pops on, showing that it still has that, that like, power. So who's to say that, you know, it couldn't have rebuilt itself even in that state? So it is something cool about it. Exactly. You really just don't know. Uh, I just, it's just, I, I don't think people have, like, as far as Stephen King's work goes, there's a lot, you know, crazier shit that he's written. But I think that this is one of my favorite books of his. It's just a really interesting concept. Um, yeah. And just the visuals of, just the visuals of this beautiful car with no one behind the wheel running people down. Like there's a, this one scene in the movie where, uh, where one of the gang members, uh, Peter, um, Peter Mucci Welch, he, uh, gets trapped in an, gets trapped in an alley. And it's a really cool, really cool scene where he gets further and further in this alley to where he thinks the car, Christine can't reach him. And sure enough, Christine, you know, makes her way through that sharp alley hurting herself in the process but is able to run him down it's just a really well done scene fuck yeah dude yeah it's again it's like i i think you're kind of right i think this one slip like it sort of slips by people these days you know mm -hmm. um but you know it's interesting that you bring up how you uh you're th you know you think that this was a good translation of like the book to movie because you know even on the last pod we were talking about with the shining like sometimes stephen king's writing style doesn't like you know directly apply mm -hmm. to to you know the the script like like how he like some he submitted basically a script that was like read like a book and kubrick was like no nah. uh, <laughs> But like sometimes it fucking like it's better to kind of follow a little closer to the material uh, with this Chris, like this Christine example. It sounds like, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. It's just interesting. It's, it's interesting that some like I, don't know, I mean, I also think it's like uh, in Carpenter's like uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, What's the word I'm looking for? Where you're a di direct or filmography, like where, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's not like one that gets thrown out that much. You know what I mean? You obviously, yeah. when you think of Carpenter, you there's other movies that come to mind way before you'd ever get to Christine. I don't think it gets the, the love and the and the uh, credit it deserves. Is what I'm trying to say. No, that's like that's actually a good point. Uh, I, I'm I'm guilty of that, I suppose. Where it's like 
more so than I think of this as a John Carpenter movie. I think of it as like a, like you know, uh, uh, like a like something addendum to Stephen King. You know, totally, totally. Uh, which is kind of interesting, actually. Now that you now, now that you bring that up, wow, mm-hmm. never thought about it that way. But yeah, that movie wouldn't be anything without Carpenter's vision. That's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean. You know, another movie about uh, someone changing, I suppose, that I want to bring up from 1983 comes okay. a little a little old crazy fucking movie called Videodrome. So, well, yeah, if, it, if, it, if it's got Cronenberg's name attached, you know, it's going to be um, definitely out of left field. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, David Cronenberg, who I'm looking forward to talk once we get I'm looking forward to talking about the fly once we get there. Uh, oh, hell yeah. It, that's my favorite uh, pinnacle uh, obvious uh, but but videodrome is such it's not for for everybody it's it's like a weird <laughs> weird meaty movie yeah. it's like it has so it centers around james woods uh character who basically runs a television station to mm-hmm. put it lightly he stumped like he's into some weird shit himself he stumbles yeah, into yeah. into some snuff films and he decides that the new direction for his tv station will be to air snuff films and <laughs> and, and so yeah. proceeds this crazy unfolding of hallucinatory like grotesque imagery mixed with like sexual bondage-esque like fucking weirdness yeah. and like at times you just like what's cool about this movie multiple things are cool about this movie but some of the one of the things that that i like is that you really just don't at times know what perspective you're looking at like whether or what's it's like, real or what's not you know what exactly I mean? it, it's it's crazy how you like almost like some movies accomplish it and i think this does a pretty good job where you like just slip in and out of like reality and and you know dreamlike hallucination states and you and leaves the viewer totally. sort of disoriented like where am i like it's also uh, like when you when you just if you haven't seen the movie and you re, like you would think that James Woods and um, Debbie Harry would be a weird co- Deborah Harry Debbie Harry sorry would be a weird combination but for some reason it just works so and I love her as an act I love her as an actress she's amazing yeah Debbie Harry low key was like really like really cool to see in this movie you know like I don't think I had ever, ever had like a frame of reference for. Uh, her acting before ever watching Videodrome, which just seems like a weird first gig, I suppose. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's it's just like it's you know it, the other thing I want to I want to mention about this movie that's something that there's love. always yeah there's always and there oh continue sorry uh it, um is like you know you have just the gnarliest special effects at times. You know, mm-hmm. like where it's like, there's this great, there's this great shot where it's, uh, this, this man is like, he takes a VHS tape basically. And he like goes up to James Woods, character who, and he just like inserts it into his stomach. Like he's like inserting, like, you know, programming or whatever, <laughs> but, but it's like, it's like this, you know, this gnarly, like this, like gaping wound uh, appears in his chest and like the you know he shoves it in it's just it's just fucking grody at times it's like the, it's like you know it's kind of similar to that scene that i think is probably like the most iconic scene from the movie where he puts the handgun in his mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's yeah it's, like it's he, not it's all it's slimy not, and stuff too and like 
Uh, it's just that's what I love about Cronenberg, though, is just those like disturbing like body horror that he does. And I yeah. think that this is only a movie that he could have pulled off. Um, oh yeah, you know what I mean. And it's, it's not. A, I've, I, honestly, I've only seen this movie once, and it's been a long time. So I feel like it's something that I that I need to uh, watch again just to get a better frame of reference. But I do remember just being like, like any of his movies. Uh, it's beautiful and, and 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 grotesque at the same time if that makes sense no 100 percent, dude it it and that and that is the like the thing to appreciate you know um you know the the, the actors the acting in the movie is like all great you know james james will just does a fine job i would say like you know it's nothing that's like really stand out it's just mm-hmm. you're there for the story, the the mm-hmm. visuals, the 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 the, the you know, real special effects like, it's, and there's a lot, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot going on in this movie. You know, there's like political shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I don't know, man. It's, there's just well, a lot in this movie. It's a huge. I mean, it's a huge commentary on censorship in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Not not that mm-hmm. like I think Cronenberg's advocating for you know snuff movies or anything to be uh, available on air, but you know it's, right. it's just it's just you know it's a big. Uh, it leaves you wanting like with the question of like you know how far does censorship go? Like where right. where you know is too far what are our own personal boundaries like true because it is kind of like if some people how far could they go if they end up going down that rabbit hole you know what i mean exactly and that's what you see kind of represented through woods you know in a lot of ways it Uh, also has a pretty yeah yeah, it also has a pretty gnarly gnarly ending um (laughs) yeah it's you know Like I said, everything about this movie is fucking gnarly. Like true, and so it just yeah, the ending just kind of it gets you. Uh, but I, I I I do like like I like how uh, yeah, like part of the movie is that um, uh, the char- one of the characters though um, his like goal is. To a world where television replaces every aspect of everyday life and i feel like yeah they're they're not not okay so i feel like they were kind of a uh, how do i word this so well, unfortunately i feel like when you're a kid that is like your aspect of your life is tv like you want to go home from school and watch tv and i think it's a good commentary of of, of maybe this like far off future where that could be a possibility oh yeah you know what i mean because there's there's people that have that thing like oh you know you watch the boob tube you're an idiot you know like <laughs> dude i've heard the <laughs> phrase boob tube forever <laughs> oh man uh but no that, that's very true man it, and 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 you know it's it's a really uh i want to say classic science fiction theme but it's like a theme you see in like good science fiction works from the past like ray bradbury's fahrenheit 451 where like his oh, yeah. know, montag's wife is like slowly trying to surround herself with with you know screens and uh mm you know and and it's kind of it becomes like this worry and of like how much is involved and it does almost have a commentary that lasts to this day because of like you know like ongoing constant screen use by all of us right. I'm, I, oh yeah oh you know yeah. what i mean and and 
now more so than ever like everywhere yeah. you go people are just on their fucking phones it's just like jesus christ it's yeah and, and so you know it's yeah it's it's interesting but like i said not for the faint of heart that's that's no, and, no. you know but I do just want, you know, one last thought. You got to appreciate Cronenberg for this movie. Like, I think it gets, you know, although I put, you know, the fly on a, on a different pedestal, um, this movie has its own place. I think that kind of still fits in, like we said, to this day. He, um, he, he is just such a unique filmmaker. Oh, um, yeah. And he's never compromised. I, mean? I think I feel no. that's something I like about it, about yeah. him, you know? He's even with the done. fly, like where I feel like, even though that was probably like his most toned down movie, mm -hmm. there was still a lot of what makes him who he is. You know what I mean? It, uh, oh yeah. The fly is a classic. As far as that's like one of those times where the remake is far and away better, uh, in my opinion, than the original. Oh, so yeah, the original's not doesn't hold a candle if you it, ask it, me. It, well, it also doesn't hold up very well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just um, one of those things. But continuing down our rabbit hole of 1983, uh, what's the which which is going to be your next pick, my friend? Um. Well, I'm going to, there's two, two of the movies that I'm going to be talking about are, uh, anthologies. So the first one we're going to talk about, um, is 1983's, um, Twilight Zone, the movie, which obviously most people that watch horror know what Twilight Zone is, but if you don't, it was, uh, you know, a fifth, uh, late fifties, early sixties, uh, Rod Serling television show, a sci-fi show of, honestly, it's one of those shows that to this day, um, stood the test of time. Um, oh God, yeah, dude. Everything. It's just. It's. It's such a great concept. Just. Um, obviously, every episode is just centered around uh, sci-fi or horror. Different. You know, the other uh, aliens, technology, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's just uh, you cannot understate how fucking you cannot overstate. Well, you cannot state enough. We'll say how fucking amazing Twilight Zone is, or or influential it was. It, um, yeah, for sure. Have you have you checked out Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone? Unfortunately, I have not. It it I holds up uh, quite a bit. Okay. I, I I haven't made my my way through the second season that they made, but um, the first season, I remember uh, instantly being sucked in because he just like hits his cadence you know with his narration and and the presentation is is there so it really it, it's a good translation of like the idea of the show um, okay but but still like yeah i don't know if I'm stoked. I, I don't know the science fiction channel still does this but you know they used to run an all-day twilight zone marathon like every nice. episode on new year's eve and it just roll right into new year's day and you know if you huh. never had anything to do, like you could just sit there and watch Twilight Zone all fucking night and get weirded out. Yeah, there's also like a, it's like called like a me me TV. It's like a basic cable channel. All it shows is sh is shows from back in the day, but it's like at midnight. Maybe it's like midnight and one in the morning. Back to back, they have uh, Twilight Zone and then Alfred Hitchcock presents, which is a nice little oh, one-two cool. punch and one real. Real quick, 
uh, just to divert back to Jordan Peele, I am cannot wait for Nope to come out. I, mm. uh, you know, I, I I was now never really a big fan of Key and Peele, but him as a director, on the money, bro. Both, you know what I mean. Uh, One hundred. Us, uh, both of his, uh, both of his feature films are yeah. phenomenal. Can you um, imagine about- have, having like? like his directorial debut being get out like right just coming out swinging being such a great heavy hitter following it up that's like fucking us dude like in, like a us is amazing movie man yeah it's such a good movie and yeah you're right dude the, nope like i'm so intrigued by what the fuck is gonna happen in that movie totally because it's just like kind of vague but yeah. you make a good point there's directors that spend their whole career trying to make something like get out and he just makes it his first movie it's crazy yeah um but uh but twilight zone the movie is um it's kind of like in music there will be a super group where all these members of prolific bands get together and this movie is essentially that because it's produced by steven spielberg he also directed one of the four segments john landis um, who you know you know directed Animal House, American Werewolf in London. He directs the segment. Uh, Joe Dante, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, directed a segment. And George Miller, who's famous for Mad Max, directed a segment. So it's not only is it four heavy hitters that are directed in these segments, but we also got people in it like you know Dan Aykroyd's in the wraparound segment. Scatman Crothers is in it. John Lithgow, you know, um, I. Uh, this movie was always so entertaining for me growing up and it still is uh but it's also one of those movies that has um like uh supposedly not not necessarily like a cursed movie like like the omen or the exorcist curse but there was like there's a you know a dark cloud around the movie because there's a scene um where while they were filming it a stunt helicopter crashed uh yeah and uh led to yeah it was not a good uh but anyway so the movie i didn't, I didn't realize uh, that you know the the um movie has four different segments and uh one of them's like a reworking of an old episode or actually three of them are um or actually sorry all four of them really are <laughs> yeah but uh but the the first segment um is a really interesting one and this one kind of totally fits the bill of like what is what a what a twilight zone up is going to be about it's about this really racist man um who winds up in all these different situations like the he he leaves the bar he's at and he winds up in um france during world war ii and these nazis stumble up, up, up upon him and then he winds up in Alabama and he's seen as a black man to Ku Klux Klan members. Then he winds up in the Vietnam War and it's just, and then, you know, it ends where he's back in uh, in uh, France heading to a concentration camp. And it just, it's such like, what were you gonna say? I was just saying like, it doesn't, yeah, it, it, it has nothing but like, he goes from like grim situation to grim situation, grim situation. reflecting his like, 
his racist attitude that like and like totally you know it, it's just yeah it's fucking wild man and that's like one of the that's like i'm saying where it's like a really good example of what a twilight zone episode could be about because you know there's other episodes like where you know this character is you know uh a piece of shit for this reason and then this happens to him in episode you know what i mean it's kind of like mm-hmm. they kind of like goosebumps kind of did the same thing where it's like the in the episode these characters are going to get their come up in some sort of way for whatever uh you know yeah well i i i you know i i i probably it's probably safe to say that something like the twilight zone influenced like the of course like things like goosebumps later on you know like that because you're right like, like it does more, take that moral style. stories you know yeah, what i mean it, yeah it, and, and anyway yeah it's, it's it's a really great segment to start out with it because, is it you're is. right it, it sets the kind of a good tone for like you are watching twilight zone like totally you know and then this you know the second segment is a little more uh like fantasy like fantastical um where Scatman Crothers is in it and he uh, he plays this character named Mr. Bloom that goes to this retirement home and once uh he listens to the people there you know reminisce about their youth this that the next thing and he's kind of explaining to them that you know even though they're elder they they don't necessarily need to be um he and he, t- he wants them to play kick the can that night one of them stays as one of the guys one of the older folks of jackson stays asleep and that night they all go out and play kick the can and they turn into childhood versions of themselves yeah it's pretty cool it is pretty fucking cool could you imagine that man like right just like now i'm just little i'm little jared all of a sudden running around uh, like it's a cool con it's a really cool concept because yeah. you know you do get you it's one of those things where when you're a kid I'm, I know I'm guilty of it. I can't wait to grow up. And then you grow up and you're like, what the fuck? Didn't appreciate. Didn't appreciate. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. And so like, to, you know, the idea of being able to recapture a little bit of that energy in that moment, I think mm-hmm. everybody, every adult can identify with that sentiment, you know? And th- uh, this is the segment that uh, is Steven Spielberg's, I believe. Um, yes. And it's you know I, I think it makes sense i don't i didn't expect him to do something too spooky you know what i mean uh, <laughs> good but, point but uh yeah he did just hire toby hooper to do it uh <laughs> oh but, wow <laughs> but <laughs> but uh you know it's it's a really great like almost wholesome-esque segment you know like totally yeah so i, I think it's a you i think it's a good one you can't you can't go wrong with Scatman Crothers either, and it is uh, it is a really cu- it's a really cute segment too. Just these, you know, because they when they turn into kids, you can when they turn into the kids, you can tell that they in their older forms that they encompass some of the qualities they had when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And I hope that I'm the same way when I get that old. And I also hope that when I get old, that I can kick a can and become a kid again for a night, because that'd be a blast. I wish now rad. I could be. A, I wish now I could be a kid again for a day and just go fucking skateboard all day with not a care in the world. You know what I mean, dude? I know, man. Those fucking days. 
Uh, but yeah, it, it's it. I'd say that honestly, because it's like this is probably my my second favorite segment in the in the in the lineup. Yeah, the the the, the next one is probably my favorite, and oh, yeah. this is where we get where we get super nutty is uh, Joe Dante's segment. And there's been like a Simpsons episode that that was like an homage to this, but it's essentially, you know, um, we get introduced to this this uh, this little kid. Um, Anthony, who this lady at a diner like accidentally runs over his bike, gives them a ride home. We get introduced to who we, we think is his family, but we learn throughout that Anthony has these powers, you know. Um, yeah. And we we learn that this family that he's living with isn't his real family. That these are people that he, you know, maybe he married, murdered his parents, whatever the case may be. But essentially, they're they're held captive there. But they the reason. He, he treats them poorly is because they treat him poorly but there's like a really great shot with the, this rabbit getting pulled out of a hat that's one of the most iconic shots from the movie and it's mm-hmm. fucking creepy yeah dude i mean yeah it's like you go from like that kind of wholesome segment to this which does like you said <laughs> just like it just flips you right into like you think you know where you're going with this twilight zone you know anthology but then no like you have one of the like the like, and this is a classic Twilight episode kind of thing. Like every now and then, you just get an episode that goes a little harder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think though this like is disarming because at first you're like following you know a kid and stuff like that. You know it it like once you get to things like the rabbit, it it mm-hmm. gets like a little like oh what's going on? <laughs> I also I also really like. Um, the actor uh kevin mccarthy that plays one of the uncles in this segment like he just has the most hilarious facial expressions and just the way he he acts in this in this role is great um there's also like the creepy like the sister whose mouth is like non-existent like you know what i mean yeah uh there's also the cool the cool scene where one of them gets thrown into the television and is eaten by a cartoon monster like he has some cool, you know, wherever, and it's also like you don't know where his powers came from or why he has these powers, but those are some pretty fucking cool powers. It's pretty fucking wild. He just he seems to just be able to manipulate whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And talking about this segment, it gives me these really heavy reminders of elements of WandaVision. Um, 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 you know, like where it's like this person is controlling these people. In his, in his like with these powers like he you know just plucks them at random makes them do like live a normal life around him or like pretend mm-hmm. to be friends with mm-hmm. them you know it's just like That's it's just point. really it's just really interesting uh I don't, I don't know why i was just like you were describing it and i was just like yeah damn, i could see this sounds kind of what like any anyway but yeah you're right there's some like really cool visuals the televisions are really cool the television kills a really cool one you know being eaten by the cartoon monster and um yeah like i would expect nothing less from joe dante when like trying totally. to pull off like a segment like you know like this giving uh, handing handing course. him the script and being like what are you gonna do with a joke <laughs> like, oh yeah you know, had to have been fun I also really like the way it ends too, because like we we see him use these these, these powers in a bad way, but at the uh, when it comes to the ending, we you kind of get this feeling that uh, that everyone that's been around him has been afraid of him because he has these powers, and all he wants is to get some love. You know yeah. what I mean? 
And this character, you know, offers to be his teacher and help him find new uses for his power. There's this really cool shot where they get in the car and leave. And uh, they're like driving through like this like barren, like part of town. And as they're driving, like all these meadows start filling with flowers. It's just a really cool visual to end yeah. the segment in. And like, that's kind of the, the fun, di- like dichotomy of the episode, right? Like you go through some rough shit and then like you end on this, like, hopeful note right right <laughs> you know what I mean? that's what i'm saying you know yeah. I mean? where maybe maybe he doesn't have to use his power you know what i mean like maybe he doesn't have people don't need to be afraid of him anymore he can you know what i mean it's a cool it's just a cool way to end it where it could have ended with him just brutally killing anybody in some like gnarly way but yeah uh you know it's like what i what i tell people you know use that brain for good mm-hmm. use your powers for good kid <laughs> Right. Um, but and then, then what's, oh what's yeah, the f- what? So the fourth segment is, um, you know, if you've seen, if you know anything about uh, the zone, Twilight Zone, one of the most like I like iconic episodes from the original run is, uh, you know, the you know, um, oh yeah, the, the terror the, at twenty thousand feet. You know, yeah. William Shatner was in the original, and this one, I'm glad they updated it because. Like whoever was in that moss man suit for the original just does not hold up well but you know it's it's just a story about this 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 guy that's on a plane who's having a panic attack because he's not doesn't like fly there's a big storm going on and he sees what he believes to be a monster on the wing and no one else believes him yep. you know the, the plane ends up you know getting a they make it to the land and then they see that the wing looks like it's been scratched and destroyed by something, but they're not sure, you know, if there really was a monster or not. So it's just, a, it's just a, it's a good retelling of like one of the more iconic episodes. And they also yeah. like re, 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 kind of re. So I know they that they like redid that episode again for the for the Jordan Peele reboot, but yeah, it's you know it's kind of a classic. I think you know, like you said, Twilight Zone storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is George Miller's, and it was, uh, it, like you said, I think it's just a really good reworking of that that episode. Mm-hmm. And um, shout outs again to the Simpsons. They did they did a segment, yeah, Treehouse yeah. of Horror segment where it's like Bart's on the on the bus, bus, yeah, <laughs> and like he sees like a gremlin fucking with a wheel. It's such yeah. a good segment too. It is but a yeah, good segment, Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, but it's you know it, it the the thing that. I want to take away from this segment is that it it really shows and continues to show a lasting impact all of this Mm -hmm. work you know this is all paying homage to the original you know and then even further down the line you just have more and more and more and so like like this you know uh, you know episode or this segment you know terror at 20,000 it's just like Twilight Zone always helped to like establish a way to ease into science fiction or horror totally you know and this a is point. a this is a good segment to to emphasize that because you know it has these like monster elements it has mm-hmm. you know the psychological terror elements and like yeah uh, it's just it, i think like what's cool about the twilight zone movie is that overall it just has it like hits all the notes that you as a viewer like mm-hmm. saw in like the run of twilight zone i would agree yeah it's also got two pretty cool like the wraparound segments with 
Dan Aykroyd are, are entertaining too. It's just as a whole, I think every segment, even like even the kick the can, which is a little more lighthearted, it's still a good segment. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. Um, and you know, so I want to transition into another 1983 pick on my end. Mm-hmm. Um, because it kind of falls in line. Like, like Twilight Zone was good right before this because uh, the, something wicked this way comes. Is... So real quick, I have never seen this movie. All I know is that it's based on a Ray Bradbury book. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's definitely like, so I'm going to say this. For like all the movies that we talk about, this is probably the softest movie. Uh, okay. It's meant... it's like a Walt Disney production, right? Yeah, it's like PG or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I, I just got to shout out my old man. One of the very few things uh, that me and him ever like linked up on and locked in on were movies. And, and, okay. and when we were kids, he would show us, he showed us this movie like every Halloween season. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we had a handful of movies that we always liked to watch. And this one, when he first showed it to me, spooked me the fuck out because it's, it sounds like a creepy premise. Yeah. You know so, what I mean, you know, it basically follows uh, a couple of kids and you're, 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 you, you see like a carnival roll into town. Mm-hmm. Like overnight, like just like overnight, just right? Overnight, just kind of just pops up. Yeah, and so like things are kind of like the setting is so creepy, you know. There's it's just, totally it's fall winds always blowing. Like the the opening is like, you know, the sequence where like a dude's like putting up this like, you know, weather vane, and it's like a and it can you know get he catches like a lightning bolt, you know, and and hmm. gets zapped or whatever. And anyway, so you just you get this like atmospheric spooky feel from this movie and it definitely is a movie that's meant to be from like a kid's perspective seeing these things happen you know and like how as as this kid witnessing these things solving these things you know so on and so forth and that's like that like we said that kind of more toned down element of the movie i like movies like that though like kind of like um roll dolls the witches you know what i mean definitely it's entertaining and, and as an adult it's entertaining as a kid it's spooky and totally. um anyway so you see this carnival roll into town overnight and slowly like you know people kind of go missing some weird things start happening the the person um what's the person the the the, the main like ringleader or whatever like mr dark i'm sorry i just pulled up a wikipedia page yeah you're Ms. good um he just is oh god his presence is just like sinister you know mm-hmm. like from the get-go and like always throughout the movie and and that's like because that you know the kid sees it and then the kid locks on to the to it but nobody else sees it you know nobody else like is convinced that this is not a fishy situation so <laughs> of course you know it's just kind of one of those sort of movies but what's cool is that there's this really crazy uh mirrors like hollow mirrors sequence which for me Ooh. like i i mean like y- y'all listening you'll probably remember like going through the car that fun house at the carnival you know and, and the hollow mirrors was always like equally frustrating and fucking terrifying to me because i get claustrophobic so fast and the second i can't start finding my way out of that thing i'm like oh shit oh shit oh shit and it's kind of creepy as a kid yeah and you know there's this whole sequence in there and you know it 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 kind of has this bigger story like i want to liken it to 
you know, uh, you know how like the 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 slow witch story kind of unfolds in Suspiria. It's you totally. know by the end you're sort of like oh shit there's powers like happening there's like actual like supernatural like really supernatural shit. Um, yeah, that's kind of what happens with this movie like you know finally okay. unfolds and at the end you know the kid's fighting like something referred to as the dust dust witch and like you know huh. it it's it's just cool and like I, the thing i love about it is not only the nostalgia i have attached to this movie but the like i said like the overall tone of the movie really grips you and locks you in if you ask me and it just sounds like a cool setting and a co- everything about it sounds right yeah. up my alley like it, it it's just it's a fun like i said it's a it's a good watch uh, either way adult or kid if you ask me so i just wanted to shout it out because 1983 it's, gave us that one and it's one of those it's honestly you know i've been a lifelong reader that's always been a book that i've wanted to seek out and read and unfortunately i just still haven't you know maybe this will be a good reminder that i need to go pick it up but i know it's one of those works that has influenced many of horror people in the horror community whether it be authors or directors i know that it's one of those and you can tell you know what i mean that's just such an awesome concept yeah it really is because like you know it you get disarmed by the innocence of like following a kid you know what i mean of course but but then you get this tone that's really like really really has weight to it and you know the things that unfold you know are sinister and so you're just sort of like Uh i don't know you get disarmed right away and then you get kind of like locked into this like vibe that just you ride out for the rest of the movie so it's yeah it it, yeah i might have to go check it out we yeah we should we'd have to watch we should watch it uh next time we're together or something find a copy um yeah that'd be cool that would be fun uh but yeah you know that there's there's also like a handful of like random other you know 83 movies uh you already shouted out sledgehammer i believe didn't you <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like yes. you know there's just like this hodgepodge you know like like the <laughs> frightmare grizzly 2 I, I, I when oh, i was looking Jesus. through all these 80s movies i was like i was like i need to see what grizzly 1 is because <laughs> because yeah, it's, it's about a killer killer bear yeah yeah shocker shocker right right the jaws of the forest <laughs> you know there's also like, this really yeah i and, can't believe they made a second one That's and great. it had sight and 83 gave give us psycho 2 which is which, yeah yeah it's a which, solid like, sequel yeah like i i and that's the thing i wanted to point out that like like the 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 following psycho movies are kind of interesting if you ask me it's just me. weird how late how late it came and Definitely. anthony perkins reprised that role and it was like they literally directed it like a week after directing psycho yeah that was the weird vibe and and you know it, it, yeah just strange um but what other what else we got for 83 there's also there's this outrageous like like uh lower budget movie called mountaintop motel massacre which is as ridiculous as the title suggests (laughs) it's also a good there's a good italian uh horror movie called a blade in the dark which is very entertaining but uh the last movie that i want to talk about in depth in 1983 is called sleepaway camp um which obviously you know cut coming off the craze of of movies like friday the 13th you know the burning madman stuff like that but it's not your typical uh 
not your typical like crazy guy at a, at a summer campus killing people. Um, it's directed by uh, Robert Hiltstick, who only has has only directed two films. He directed this, and then in 2003 he directed like a because uh, there's multiple um, sequels that came after this that uh, all it's all like Angela as. Uh, when she's older and it's they're all played by um, Bruce Springsteen's sister actually and they're they're fantastic oh. but in 2003 he um, directed a uh, it's called Return to Sleepaway or I think it was, maybe it wasn't 2003 it was in the late it was in the 2000s but he directed like a essentially like a sequel to his own movie or, or kind of like a reimagining but Damn. Sleepaway Camp is a fantastic movie with uh, and I don't know how much other movies she started, but Felissa Rose is like a, a, a horror icon for this role alone, because it does have one of the most like crazy shock endings uh, that has happened in a movie that's still talked about to this day. But it, it is, it is just the basic premise of you know it, it opens with this scene of these two kids, uh, Angela and Peter, and their dad um, gets killed. Uh, by speedboat, um, speedboat, the, death. It, and it looks like Angela is the only one left alive. Like her brother may have died too, but we learn, you know, there's the, we learn at the end through this flashback that Angela was the one that died in the accident, and that their aunt Martha took custody of Peter, who she raised as a girl. So there's this awesome shot. I, I'm I'm leaping to the end before we talk about the rest of the movie, but there's just this lasting shot at the end of the movie where you see Angela naked holding a severed head and she has a penis and you realize that that was yeah. like the twist but it's 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 it it's sticks like, with you yeah it literally was you just never saw it happening coming no yeah. it, it just and so it was just that's that's why it's just one of those like I don't know man it just holds it it will always have that like grip on people you know what I mean that ending but yeah so. But it is like I, but I mean, it, I, it's just a cool setting. Some like anything that has to do with stuff. Like I never went to a summer camp when I, I wish, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I never did either. I always was, I always wanted to for some, you know, it seemed appealing. <laughs> yeah. And there's just something about, I like movies in that setting there, you know, they, cause they have this air of like, uh, of well, what's the word I'm looking for of like, of, um, innocence to it or yeah kids pull, pulling pranks and dicking off and running out and smoking and hooking up and all these different things uh yeah, you're literally just there to have fun like you know what i mean and there's so one uh, yeah exactly and then all these murders happen that's what i'm saying well this one's different where you know we learn obviously at the end that angela was the one killing all these but you don't know that because she she because she's shown as just this quiet you know uh insecure um yeah just sort of know. like you know uh introvert i'd say totally right? that's the word i was looking for thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> and 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 you're right like you just don't ever suspect her mm-hmm. through the movie you mm-hmm. know uh which yeah i don't know and it's it's a good one like i think i feel like sleepaway camp like for somebody that doesn't care they're, they're probably just like Oh yeah, yeah. This is like got to be just like a a Friday the Thirteenth knockoff, rip off, right? 
you know what I mean? But I wouldn't not, call it though. that. It's like it's influenced. It, it, without Friday the Thirteenth kicking in that door, like mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to have this movie. But this is I not agree. that movie. You know? No, I mean? it's so different. Yeah. There's also some creative fucking like. One of the ones that always sticks out to me is like the uh, the it's the first like death that happens that or actually he doesn't die like you i'm sure he might have died from his injuries but there's this like really creepy cook that actually attempts to like molest angela in the pantry yeah. and he gets shoved into a fucking pot of boiling water which would be brutal there's also a kill also a kill where um um a character gets uh, uh a beehive uh <laughs> dropped oh, on yeah. them while they're trapped in a fucking bathroom stall but you have that like <laughs> you have that like awesome shot of that body later on with like covered yeah in just oh, covered yeah, in welts dude. it's brutal looking yeah fucking there's hell. some there's some there's some good practical effects in this movie definitely for sure most <laughs> definitely there's also like a curling iron death someone you know there's a pillow smothering there's just a lot of good kills yeah but like i said it's really the fucking shock ending that people you know that when you talk about iconic endings like that this is up in that echelon and i think for a lot of times people tried to kind of not like not, not like mimic it but come up with their own way of doing so but this one is just like i said it it can never be recreated no and i'm glad it hasn't it's just so it's a great movie and I'll, i think it's one of those movies that unfortunately a lot of people haven't seen because like you said they probably just associate it with oh this is just another fucking friday the 13th ripoff but that's a disservice to the movie yeah i'm with there man um yeah it's just you know i, I think uh out of like a lot of the movies uh, that came out in 1983 this is probably one of them that you it should be like required viewing for a horror fan you completely know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I do know what you mean. Um, do you have any other like shout outs, uh, last minute 83 shout outs? No, no. I think we covered quite a bit out of there. Yeah, we didn't cover everything, but you know, we hit a good stroke. Yeah. There's definitely like, there's definitely more to dig into. You, you know, maybe just listen to our episode on Sledgehammer. Don't, don't watch the movie, but <laughs> you know. yeah. Uh, yeah. Spare, spare yourself, you know, an hour and 20 minutes of your life. Just. <laughs> I guess the our episode's probably that long too, but I think <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a better it's I, a better I think it's that. more more inter, more entertaining. Definitely. Um well that just takes me right in. I have a, I have two movies set aside from 1984. Correct. Um, and I just want to jump into one of them because we mentioned uh we invoked the name earlier, Joe Dante. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh my with, god. With a a a great like pinnacle dark comedy horror movie gremlins 1984 it, uh, it yeah it is such a fucking fun movie like it is you know we and we talk we talk a lot or at least i know <laughs> it's something i beat over the head but but we both appreciate when a movie establishes a tone really early mm -hmm. on and I, I think this is one of those like you know out the gate you get like the tone like you get this really mysterious like moment in the beginning where traveling salesman buys mysterious <laughs> creature right you know, right and and uh 
then you immediately go to the, like the, the town that, that the setting mm-hmm. will be in and you get introduced to like side characters and you get that like kind of like the sleepy town it's, you know uh, the holidays and you know it's it, it's it builds yeah you, uh it doesn't it doesn't like uh, <laughs> i just say like, it like builds you into this like world where once shit goes crazy, like it's just so it funny to watch it unfold throughout that. Oh, world. totally. Because totally, you know, it, it takes a little bit to get there. Like it does, but it's bonkers when it does. And so, and real quick before you continue with what you're saying, in the same way that uh, Die Hard could be associated as a Christmas movie, this too. Definitely. <laughs> this is this is always like one of mine. I have like the I, you know. Like any quirky individual, I suppose you probably have a weird list of of holiday movies, but Gremlins and uh, Batman Returns are always on mine. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but you basically, you know, like so, you follow Billy, the main character, as he is gifted from his father this creature called a mogwai and mogwais mm-hmm. are fucking adorable and he names his gizmo and you it's know. crazy to this day like how iconic that character still is because there was like recently these like mountain dew commercials with gizmo in it so really? he, he stood the, the test of time as like a cultural icon that's crazy that's awesome um and eventually you know like you you learn like some loose rules about uh well, I wouldn't say they're they're. Of. I wouldn't say they're loose. Oh yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I guess yeah. No, you're right. They're they. He doesn't take them as seriously as he should. I suppose. There you go. There you um, go. Because what what eventually happens is that he spawn gizmo spawns other mogwai like in this crazy cool yeah in this crazy sequence where like he just launches these fur balls out of his back yeah and and they all have different personalities totally that's what's so cool about it exactly man like they really give these creatures individual identities and when they Uh, they turn into the full-blown griblins even more so yeah. yeah, and and you know once the, yeah exactly once they uh, get into some grub and after the night <laughs> and and turn into these fucking gnarly gremlins that well the, like the cocoons are even fucking cra- oh, like crazy crazy yeah. dude like that's that's the thing and like one of the great things about this is that even though it's kind of like a like I said sort of like that you know it's a dark comedy horror movie it mm. it, it has some really like the creatures look awesome amazing so awesome and so you know they turn into gremlins and these gremlins are fucking evil and they're and you know they start just tearing shit up and you have some great gremlin deaths in this movie oh you my know, god yeah some of the most iconic happen in the kitchen at that billy's house you know where it's like mm-hmm. the fucking gremlin and in the they, microwave yeah the fucking blender the fucking, yeah the gremlin in the blender man like um and and that's why i mean where it's like you know you just start seeing what's cool and i think uh identifiable about this movie is that you start seeing these creatures just like get into a house and then they get out of the house and they get into the neighborhood and then they get out of the neighborhood and they get into town and you know there, and there, there's a movie later in uh joe dante's filmography small soldiers which kind of has the same feel to this but this yeah. is this is this is more like amped up but yeah they they fucking wreak havoc on this fucking town Dude, they, uh-huh. they, they tear this fucking town up it, to, and it's a cool like you where, said it's such a cool world to be plopped into. Oh, definitely. 
Um, you know, you have, oh God, who's the guy that plays the snowplow driver? In Dick movie? Miller. Dick fucking <laughs> Miller, dude. Dude, his, like his character is so fucking He's amazing. So fucking yeah. great. Um, there's that, there's that whole moment where, uh, oh fuck, what's his name? Spike or whatever. It's fucking the leader of the gremlins is. Uh, mm-hmm. He, when like, when he gets access. Stripe. Stripe. When he gets access to the pool and like mm-hmm. just starts oh, yeah. spawning the hundreds. lighting in that and yeah the, it's like it's such a cool it's a beautiful scene, scene. yeah yeah the lighting is fucking incredible like everything is just it just looks so so awesome like and there's like you know the, the classic scene where uh they're all in the theater oh know, my god uh yeah. watching snow white and the seven dwarves <laughs> I, like um, you said they just all have there's some of them that have their own identities like and Maybe like even some like, are eating popcorn, some are like jeering at other people. Like there's like pop culture reference too, where one is like the flasher, and they and they do yeah. even more of that in the sequel, where it's like even more nuttier. But yeah, it's, they, they it's, had you know they had so much fun fucking making this movie. It's yeah, oh god, yeah, dude, you they had to have. It, I just like overall, this is just I feel like this is for like the adult horror fan. Like mm-hmm. you can show this oh, to yeah. like, a niece or nephew. You can show this to a kid if you have one. Like whatever. Like you know, it's it's a branch into horror for some people. I think because you get those great mm-hmm. creature moments. You get some awesome, like gruesome gremlin deaths. You get, you know, totally. And, and but but it's all you know, sort of fun, lighthearted, <laughs> and, exactly. and fun. Even though there are deaths and there's like the crazy scene where the old neighbor gets launched out of her oh fucking window. God, <laughs> Oh, this is so fucking great, man. Uh, but yeah, that's... it's also got a great. It's got a great cast too. You know, um, oh. we've got a we've got a really young uh, Corey Feldman in it. Zach Galligan's great. Phoebe Cates, who's beautiful, is in it. Um, oh, Judge yeah. Reinhold plays a small character. He's always that's smart. Right. Yeah. Fucking Judge Reinhold popped up in there. Even um, uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah, you know yeah, he's in then, there. Did you know who does the vo- did you know who does the voice of Gizmo? No. Who does it? Howie <laughs> Howie Howie Mandel. No way. <laughs> Howie Mandel, it's so yeah, random. It's just so cool too, like the another pop culture reference where Gizmo, you know, puts on the bandana like Rambo and goes to war with the Oh yeah. Man, it's it's just it does like you said, it hits all those notes, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one of those great movies that has different uh it's not just it couldn't just fit into one genre like it has multiple oh yeah and i think that's why like it's one of those movies that just like will always transcend you know um and that actually kind of takes me into the next 1984 pick that i have Uh, oh you want to jump into the next one yeah yeah i i um because because sort of like sort of like gremlins you okay. you you create this movie creates an iconic character oh, that yeah. that transcends its medium that that mm-hmm. goes that will go forever you know oh, what i mean totally we're talking about a nightmare on elm street motherfuckers like we're, we're talking <laughs> about, we're talking about the movie that gifted us gifted the world freddy krueger like right right like this movie i mean and people people have talked about it to death but very warranted like this movie it brings a different type of like menacing 
killer. You know, there's supernatural mm-hmm. elements to this. Oh, movie. it's so creative. There's yeah. there's uh, some like awesome awesome death scene, death scenes. There's there's oh, you know yeah. the, the the one of the most menacing yet entertaining killers uh, that oh, I think you're, totally. you're, that has been like brought to screen. You know, um, this 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 movie is well like well deserves the uh, the the like pinnacle it's of course it does in horror yeah. movie history but we know it's one of the what, crazy things to me though like and this isn't so much how to do with the movie but just the fact that Wes Craven came out with this in the 80s and you know propelled his career to the next level but then mm-hmm. the fact that in the 90s he was able to like reestablish his career and create another massive franchise and scream it's it just it, it, I I'll never forget that fact that he was able to create two of the biggest horror franchises and two of the biggest names in horror yeah. on his own. That's impressive. But yeah. anyway, no, it's true, man. It's true. Like, like horror, horror movies wouldn't be the same without Wes Craven. Completely. You know? Like, and, and that, that just alone, like is, I don't know. Like that's, that's fucking impressive. But this movie also has like a, you know, a pretty solid cast. Uh, oh, yeah. Heather Lingenkamp stars as Nancy. Um, you know, you obviously have uh, Johnny Depp as Glenn. That was first like the, that, movie. That, yeah, that's what like really roped I think people in because you know everybody's like, and he has a great Twenty One Jump Street. He does, yeah. and then of course Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah, um, my God. And you know, like, I wonder if he knew when he took that role that. We we we've mentioned this many other times with other with other things, but who would have known when he took that role, how pivotal it would have been? Oh yeah, you know what I mean. You know, I I I was watching. Um, I started watching Eli Roth's like horror history. And, I love that and series. Yeah, they're interviewing they, you know, Robert England, and he talks about how at that point when he was like getting like trying to like absorb some like character tonality for this role. Uh, he would be on set and he would get like really um, like angry at the fact that like he was surrounded by all these young hot like actors and actresses who were like up and coming and famous and like oh yeah in their prime and then like you know he's just had like not a very great career he's done stuff but he's never had like a launching moment in his career and he's just there and he just like he like he said that he uses he used that energy to like turn it into like that malicious intent of like seeking out these kids you know and as Freddie that's awesome and i was like that's such a cool fucking thing like like to like just like absorb that redirect that energy into your character like and that's what it's you awesome. get dude yeah. he's unrelenting in this movie and he just, totally and and that's one of the things that you you, lo- you get to love about freddy even when he's way. joking he, yeah oh he just toys with people and oh man it's just crazy. that's the one thing you know i was always more of a of a friday the 13th fan but i think that freddy is like such a creative you know he's not just this guy with a sword hacking people up like he's got a backstory he he's just so creative it's such a cool fucking concept too oh yeah and like the idea that he you know can he inhabits your dreams Mm -hmm. and so so you know terrifying thought exactly like if you can't sleep like your ultimate safe spot you know right right uh, right like 
you're totally compromised and that's that's the feeling you get for these kids you know as it goes on is that oh, yeah. you know they get they get sleep deprived they're paranoid they're yeah paranoid and like they've lost their you know their edge <laughs> and they get picked off in some really glorious ways um oh yeah you know I, I just think i just think that like you know i feel like a lot of people have talked about this movie so i i really just i want to like like mention it. i wanted i wanted to talk talk about robert Eng i want to mention that robert england thing but i really just think it's it's something we had to mention yeah you know i mean there's a, there's a reason why it cemented its status you know what i mean and then it's all speaking of that and and we've mentioned this about other other movies i think one other time we mentioned this about a movie but in last year this film was uh the national film registry uh the library of congress what i'm trying to say it's now it's it's deemed as a culturally historically or aesthetically significant film which is crazy that a horror film you know what i mean yeah and yeah, so it's a it's a classic it's, it is. you can't go wrong um and it, and it spawned you know a fucking long-standing yeah. franchise crossovers and just like jason did he has transcended in pop culture he's been in video games he's been on commercials he's been in you know what i mean yeah so, he's, he's been like you know comics and stuff and and who would have thought yeah it's just i don't know man like it, it like to the point where you know eventually the series get, gets so self-aware that like you know they're like there's that the the new nightmare where you know it's oh man yeah. it's you know you convinced me to rewatch that in a different light and i love I, that I movie fucking loved it like i, I mm -hmm. you know but it's like it's so self-aware at that point that it's like you know robert england's you know uh, like absorbing all the enjoyment of being freddy and stuff it just it's totally just, it's just such a storied fucking series you know so mm -hmm. I just yeah. wa I just wanted to shout it out because you know make sure that we talked a little bit about couple, you know about it because, because of it deserves that space. But do you have any sh like yeah. uh, any just shout outs from 1984? Yeah, I I have quite a few. So, uh, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which we've obviously done an episode about. Um, there's a couple Stephen King. We had Firestarter and Children of the Corn in '84. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Toxic just... Toxic Toxic Avenger came out in 84 i mentioned my like traumatic story about that yeah. movie recently oh man <laughs> toxie um chud came out aka uh cannibal cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers which is that which is a really cool movie chud uh one of my and then uh one of my favorite um we just talked about freddie and i will talk about jason for a second but one of my favorite friday the 13th movies part four the final chapter um Corey Feldman in that as well uh it's just a it's a fantastic movie and if in at the time they were planning on that being the last one and if it would have been the last one it would have been a hell of a fucking way to go out uh like, last shout out Brady what, what's that I was gonna say like do you think I mean it's great that they continued it but like totally like do you think it will you know like would horror be the same if if they left it there that's a really good question. You know what I mean? Because because Jason, I, I like 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 Freddy. Jason is like you know, I mean before Freddy, Jason started establishing the long-standing iconic, you know, imagery of like a what a slasher can be or like how the you know, a killer can be in pop culture and mm -hmm. you know, it's a good question. Uh, I, yeah, 
Yeah, anyway. I don't think he. I don't think he would have laid dormant for long. But I'm glad that they <laughs> continued. But it's a. It's it, it, it's a great. It's a fantastic movie. But yeah. last shout out of 1984. It's more of a. Um, like an obscure movie and it's a really weird one it's called fatal games uh aka olympic nightmare and it's about this uh uh-huh. this high school gymnastics team that's picked off by a by a killer using a like armed with a javelin it's really weird what i've never yeah. seen this fucking movie that sounds awesome yeah we should do it we should we should do it for uh an episode here in ooh, the future ooh, it, i think it would i think it would make for a good episode I'm diggity but dude. uh Jumping into 1985, um, first movie I want to talk about is another. I mentioned earlier we're going to talk about another anthology, um, and in the last episode I talked about an anthology where that Stephen King was attached to called uh, obviously Creepshow, mm-hmm. but uh, 1985's Cat's Eye. It's uh, um, you know Stephen King. There's three segments in it. One of them is new to the movie that he wrote. And two of them are short stories from um, a collection of, of short stories of his called Night Shift. And uh, okay. the movie is directed by Louis Teague, who he, he directed another Stephen, he directed Cujo, and he's directed a bunch of other random shit. But um, hmm. it's a really good uh, horror anthology with the, the names called Cat's Eye, because uh, throughout the movie, there's, there's this presence of a traveling cat that like, doesn't play very significant roles in the first one but in the third one he's like one of the main uh he's like the one of the main characters um but they're all pretty pretty good stories and there's some uh you know drew barrymore's in it as a kid james woods is in this one as well yeah um charles s dutton is in it and then mike mike Starr, who is most known for playing uh for being in dumb and dumber um <laughs> he he plays I'm trying to think of the character's name he, he plays the main male can't, why can't I think yeah, of his name but he plays, oh my god dude this is like a really bad time to blank on Dumb the, and Dumber the um, henchman um, god damn it dude, uh, the, the guy they feed the spicy burger to like yeah, I yeah, know every moment of that I movie think, but I cannot think of his fucking name right now it's gonna piss me off no I have to look it up because I was gonna say dude um, Oh, oh, ment- ment- j- mental, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Mentalino, but Men- they call him mental, Joe Mentalino. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's hilarious. Mike Starr, he's a good character actor. But but yeah, Fuck so Cat's is, Eye. Um, the first one, the first segment is called Quitters Inc. and it's the short story is really good. It's a really cool concept. It's basically this guy that's you know trying to quit smoking. Uh, whatever he's done hasn't worked, so he goes to this clinic called called quitters inc that has a 100 percent success rate and he comes to learn that they have you know weird methods of getting you to uh quit like each if you start the program and you get caught smoking there's gonna be bad things that happen like at one point his wife gets uh put in this box and shocked um, it's alluded to that if he continue, if he would have continued to smoke, his wife could have possibly been raped, or his daughter could have been put in the box, or his family could have been killed. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's like a creepy. There's like this sequence uh, where, um, like the night after the night that he had like went to Quitter's Inc, he's at his house and he's getting ready to smoke, and he notices a pair of feet that are hiding in his closet. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like like they're just like around waiting. Like yeah. You know like, what I mean? 
the traffic jam sequence um it's it's nuts dude but just like yeah like the uh, the whole like electric shock box and like and yeah, yeah uh, and yeah. the culmination like where it's like you know uh, what what's it like uh he so like yeah somebody, he, he, somebody has like uh gets like threatened further for like the end of the movie right let's well, like so because down the line he quits smoking but then he's gained yeah, some that's, weight that's so he right, needs that's right he wants to quit weight and you give him pills and he, they joke about if he keeps gaining weight they're gonna cut his wife's finger off and they're shown at like a dinner date and at, when they're at the dinner with like this other group of people he notices that one of the guys his wife his finger is cut off yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's also this great shot in the in the movie where he's having this like visual of a party and there's this just like life-size box of cigarettes with human legs walking down the stairs. It's a cool fucking visual. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, yeah. This it's 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 a it's it's a fucking like it. It's probably one of my like fa- it's probably my favorite segment just because it's like weird and it's a great like dive into like the movie, you know. And it's also a cool concept. Yeah, it really is. Um, but there's two. Uh, what are the other two segments? We got the second one is based on another short story from the same collection. It's called The Ledge, okay. and it's basically about um, it's uh, basically about this retired tennis player who um, you know has a relationship with this woman, but this woman is you know is married to someone else, and this someone else happens to be a casino owner and a crime boss. He knows about it. He lures said tennis player to his apartment, basically like blackmails him into this and to playing this like dangerous game. He explains that there's he's planted drugs in his trunk. So if he doesn't play along, he's going to get arrested for that. He says that if he can walk around this small little ledge that's uh, around the whole outside of his like penthouse apartment, that he will get a divorce from his wife and he can have her. Um, so, and it, I, it's just, a, they do a really good job of showing how terrifying this whole ordeal would be because you're like, however many 20, 30 stories up, but while he's on the ledge, you know, the, the character Kressner fucks with them with a horn. At one point he tries blasting with the hose. There's like pigeons he has to contend with. Could you imagine so he, dude? Oh. No, I could, I could not. That would, that's what I, I think about King's work is he could, in the short stories is, is really really good is you could take something like as simple as that and make it nerve-wracking oh damn, um, you fucking hell yeah dude like oh because you can just picture that like you can picture that jump scare that you'll get if somebody just like creeps up behind you and like blows an air horn or something you know right um, it's like a matter of life and death so he, he ends up making it he, he makes it and you know, Kressner goes to honor his bet, gives him this bag of cash, but his but the fucking girlfriend's dead head rolls out. Um, and the, it has one of those great like like uh, come up in endings where he makes he uh, turns a table, he overpowers Kressner and his and his and uh, his henchmen, and makes Kressner do the same thing that he just did. Um, but Kressner doesn't have the same luck, and he falls to his death. Bom, bom. <laughs> it's a cool segment it's a really yeah, cool segment it is man and i like i i i'll always love it when you use the word comeuppance but you're right it has a great like <laughs> it has a great like little flip ending there you know um yeah 
And then the third one is more fantastical, and it's oh, yeah, yeah. essentially about this little girl. Um, and the cat from the other two segments that like made its way through the segments is now like makes its way to this house. This little girl takes it in. The parents aren't aren't like necessarily happy with the cat. But the cat ends up fending off this troll that had been living in their house. And it, the way that the cat like uh, kills the troll, knocking it into a fan and it gets obliterated. It's just a really cool, fantastical segment to end the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, you know, I think it's it's like it's interesting that you know I, i'm glad that like they saved this segment for like you know the end really totally that, that had to have been a purposeful one because it included like you know naming the cat and and all that you know mm -hmm. so it kind of like gives you this like final like this is where like you know we stop um mm -hmm. and but yeah yeah like the the the, the whole troll uh, like aspect like when that whole thing comes into play you're just sort of like oh <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like right. here's here, here's the fantasy. Like, you know, you're just like it. Mm -mm. It's kind of I don't know. It, all three of them are just like really fun for different reasons, I guess. But of course, you know, like they, like you said, I think this one is like the most, uh, yeah, just sort of like because yeah, because yeah. even even though. Quitters Inc. goes to extremes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more grounded in reality, and so is the ledge. Where this one is obviously, you know, not. So yeah, but but yeah, all, all around, it's a good anthology. You know, I don't I don't think any of them lag. Um, it's got no. keeps a good pace. Um, I just love a good anthology too. Dude, you do, sucker. man. You do. That's what I've been noticing throughout this. Like, you really, you really like the anthologies, which is which is yeah. great because you know, I mean, that's the fun thing about an, an anthology is that you know you just get in a way you get a little bit of like more bang for your buck you can get like a few different cool like types of segments especially ones with like different directors totally on, on different segments because then you get like different you know cinematography and shit and so mm -hmm. it, just, it just reminds me of reading a good book of short stories you know what i mean but yeah but uh so we before we jump into um your next pick uh um, I want to just do a couple of 85 shout outs really quick. So another Friday the 13th movie, uh, The New Beginning, which um, as we learned at the end of the movie, this movie, it isn't Jason that's the killer. It's this vengeful paramedic. It's a good movie. Uh, Ghoulies, which I like Ghoulies 2. Ghoulies 2 I like more, and I feel like these would make good episodes too, but Ghoulies is a, is a, is a good one. A uh, couple sequels. Uh, Howling 2. Uh, your sister is a werewolf, and then uh, the hills have eyes too. Uh, I just, I, I, I love, I love the the Howling Two's title. Just right. Yeah, your sister is a werewolf. <laughs> no shit. But yeah, and I'll do some more eyes part shout outs too. later, but yeah, yeah. Well, and then we all, you know, like um, one of them that I wanted to shout out for for eighty five was uh, it's a Stephen King. It's Silver Bullet. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, with Gary yeah. Busey. I, I I I'm a sucker for werewolf, you know. Totally. Uh, so I thought that was solid. And we also got to mention uh, the episode we did with, you know, about Life Force that came oh, out. Oh yeah. <laughs> also, the stuff came out, which was like our second episode yeah, ever. Yeah, the stuff. A classic. Oh oh, oh yeah, there's a, there's actually a third movie that we talked about this year that we can just cannot escape. We're going on a fall break. Fall break. The mutilator came out. The in motherfucking mutilator, dude. 
the fall break will live on forever. But I think um, you're. I, I think the next movie you're going to talk about is a is a is a sequel, right? It is. Um, so it's it's technically the third movie. Oh, that's the, right. That's in right. the line, uh, and it's uh, 1985's Day of the Dead. Okay. So Day of the Dead, dude. I gotta say, man, like after ha- having recently rewatched this, mm-hmm. um, it just reminded me of how much I fucking love Romero. Like the pairing specifically of like Romero and Savini, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, you know, through Dawn of the Dead and into Day of the Dead, you just get such a unique uh, world. It, it's built, true. You it's know, true. And uh, Savini's work on, on, on this movie, Day of the Dead, cannot be understated because you know you have a, a large you have a, a fairly big cast not nearly as many mm-hmm. extras probably to work with as um you know day of the dead or as dawn of the dead but but the day of the dead you have that's like, right you, you have you start out with like a, a group of people who are flying in a helicopter and they're you know they're trying to find any server any survivors you know and you get mm-hmm. the establishment of the world it's like the zombies have been around for a while now the, you know the streets they see are all desolate they eventually fly back to their you know sort of home base where you will meet like a, a, a larger uh, grouping of, of the cast where it's you find out that there's multiple scientists at this facility as well as multiple military personnel and then like mm-hmm. a pot the pilot and the, uh, the the pilot's like assistant or whatever the guy is mechanic or whatever he is um, and basically like you know it's just everything about this movie just feels like it's closing in like the end is closing in on you because mm-hmm. you get you know like there's zombies at their gate and they keep referencing that there's just more of them and you know when they are in the base together in their bunker which is pretty secure right you you start discovering like a different kind of terror and this is where you know, Romero really does a great job of flipping it from like zom- you're afraid of the zombies to like you're afraid of your fellow humans. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And that's that's like one of the ultimate aspects of zombie movies I think Romero gave us was that, you know, you see you see it in all all three of the movies in this series. But mm-hmm. in here, it just really solidifies, I think. Because- Where sometimes the people are around you are more terrifying than whatever other threat you know what i mean absolutely because the most menacing things about this are you know like the the like the uh i can't remember what rank he is but the military man that's in that's in charge you know he just eventually like he starts like he snaps and you know he starts demanding that people sit down and listen to his meeting at gunpoint and he's you know having he's have, threatening to kill people he eventually he he does like just take yeah. out a scientist uh that, that he's holding hostage but there's some really awesome special effects in this movie that are oh yeah incredible the makeup's incredible in this movie um because oh, of course totally. you get some classic you know romero savini slow moving zombies they all have different kind of grotesque bits out of them um but one of my oh, favorite yeah. favorite gross shots in this whole movie is you're going to the character the scientist that they refer to as frankenstein you're in his lab okay and he's unveiling some of the like experiments that he's been working on and two of them are really hmm. fucking gnarly one is like this 
but the zombie who's strapped down and he's basically like has his chest like ripped open and the, the, the doctor is basically explaining that he's pulled every vital organ out of this <laughs> of this zombie and it's still functioning and um it's just a really gnarly shot and then even later on in that same scene this, that zombie like kind of gets up a little bit and as it's turning over all of its insides just come oh yeah plopping out of its empty cavity and it's just splattering onto the ground and it's such a fucking grody shot it's, just, it's like, awesome and and then uh even further you find that he's been like like this is what i mean like where it's like the human terror is real where like not only is the the military are the military guys getting more aggressive and getting crazier this this your chief scientist the guy you're supposed to be like who's supposed to be solving this fucking crisis is like mm -hmm. all of a sudden experimenting on like human brains and stuff like that like like, like yeah recently deceased soldiers and stuff or you know and there's a shot where he unveils his body and the body is all there but the head the skull is completely removed but the brain is still attached to its like oh, yeah, spinal right. cord and he's like probing it and making like the arms move and it's just such a it's like, so cool the makeup job i think that like and the effects on that were just insane to me you know you know you know it's another cool thing a little like like uh about this movie is that one of the people working under tom savini in this movie is uh was greg uh, nicotero who oh. went on to you know help make the the walking dead the, yeah. the, the tv show him and robert kurtzman made but he like that was um uh his first that was like his first major job was working on that and so it's cool that he he went on to create his own zombie thing i don't yeah. know i think that's interesting no it's hella cool like like because he was right there learning like learning oh yeah like that's what i'm saying like the og zombie techniques you know like and and oh that's a, that's a cool connect i never realized that i i i know that people that sometimes people when when we when you talk about george romero he kind of gets like dirt thrown on him for how many of the movies he made in this world but i think it's cool how we kept going back to this world and you see like you said how things just keep getting worse and worse as the movies go on yeah um i i mean i don't know yeah i think you know I think people that hate on that, like on that, is are just like they're a product of their own fucking critique, you know. Like where it's like, like along the way, Romero probably just got like no signs that anybody wanted anything else but zombies from him, and so yeah. he kept, so he kept probably kept revisiting this world that he created, and it's a really dope fucking thing to revisit because he just breathes more life into it, and it's probably one of the. You know, I mean, The Walking Dead has like some longevity to it now, but it's like of the course. world that he created, like shows, uh, like you said, the, the kind of like over time demise, which is something mm -hmm. you don't get very often in like a zombie single zombie movie. You know, you're just in the mm -hmm. in the world that's there. <laughs> um. So anyway, it's just yeah, Day of the Dead. What a what a what a a great like like third movie in that you know third act in that in that film series of like, course yeah. and you know it, it just I, though it's not my favorite in the series dawn of the dead will, will always be um day of the dead is just fucking fantastic can't can't stay I, I, 
I just like the claustrophobic feel of it. And like you said, where you learn that it's not just the zombies that are the villains here. You know what I mean? Yeah. That you would, you would, you would, and that's happened. In, and I feel like other zombie related things have, have kind of owe this to that feel. But it, you no, know, in any kind of zombie movie, you get the feel that if you were in this situation, you would want to work with your fellow man, but due to resources being smaller, whatever the situation is, it always turns into where other humans are a villain too. Yeah. And it's, and it's unfortunate that that's the case. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it gives you then again, an escapable feeling. Then again, who knows how you would be in that sort of situation? You know what I mean? We, you know, yeah. so it it's is interesting. The, it's the truth. But like, you know, there's just so much aesthetic that they bring to the, the, those, uh, you know, to day of the dead and dawn of the dead. Like the, the music is awesome. It's, you know, like the, 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 the blood work is awesome. It's just, there's so much totally. about it, you know? Um, but yeah. you know, that's not the only 1985 movie that, that is, is worth its salt. That's for sure. Of course uh, not. What's next on, uh, what's next on your 85 list? What's next on mine is, uh, it's not only one of my favorite, uh, it's not only one of my favorite vampire horror movies, but it's one of my favorite horror movies, uh, 1985's Fright Night. Oh, um, yeah. It's directed by uh, Tom Holland, who... Um, Spider-Man? No, he directed uh, <laughs> uh, Child's Play, which is another one of my favorite movies. Uh, this is this is his directorial debut. Then he, he also directed Child's Play and Thinner. Um, but Fright Night, it's just everything about this movie. I love the plot. I love the setting. I love the characters. I love the effects. Uh, Chris Sarandon is amazing as... Um, the villain, uh, Jer Jerry Dandridge. It's just, oh, yeah. I love this movie. I, I could watch, it's one of those movies where I could watch every day for the rest of my life and still come away, uh, like enjoying Excited it, that yeah. I just, oh, yeah. It, it's, I love this movie. Um, and for yeah. anyone that hasn't, hasn't seen it or has only seen the really fucking shitty remake, like, please go oh. watch Fright Night. Dude, the remake is fucking garbage. Like, yeah, it, I was so disappointed that that like yeah. Anyway, but th this dude like you get some, you know like like the, the way the vampires look in this movie in the mm -hmm. in this OG in this Fright Night is like the, like the design is so cool, you it know is. like the fangs and everything like, and it, it and it's got a really cool aspect to the movie where it feels like it's how it would be if you discovered that your neighbor was a vampire. You know, there's people that wouldn't believe you, people that would believe you. Yeah. Everything, it's just a really cool feel to where it's different than other vampire movies. You know what I mean? I agree, man. Um, yeah, this this is one, I, I mean, I kind of think you, you you nail it with with saying, like, this is one that has so much rewatchability. Oh, yeah. Um, that it's like you could do if you ask me you could do like a really cool double header like if a drive-in was looking for like a, a vampire double header do fright night and lost boys and that'd be oh really, hell yeah that would be a really cool fucking night yeah. you know what i mean that's, a, that's another one of my favorites too for sure um but like but like you know the, this movie like uh i just yeah 
I've seen it only. I, f- I feel like I've, I've only watched it like maybe a handful of times, and I feel shame for only watching it like at least five times. Okay. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> it just has a different, it just has a different feel to it. You know what I mean? It's not just like a vampire movie where these vampires are going around killing people, or you know, like I feel like different vampire movies have their own feel. Like I really like, uh, I really like um, from Dust Till Dawn, but yeah. that's more oh, of yeah. like this this closed in people fighting off a bunch of vampires, which happens in a lot of vampire movies where this is more essentially one vampire, uh, but he's this um, very good looking, attractive older gentleman that you wouldn't suspect is a vampire. And no one wants to believe Charlie because he is a horror fan and he's obsessed with that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that like, I think is so, I think as like a horror fan, you you get attached to so much about Charlie's character is that mm-hmm. like he's a horror fan, and as as totally. somebody who's like always loved you know supernatural horror sci-fi movies, like you always leave that question of like man, what if that happened to me? Totally, you know, like really, like and so that that kind of like gives you this this movie gives you that ability to sort of like almost live vicariously in that way you know? oh yeah that's a good way to put it there's just a lot of cool characters you know what i mean um there's uh roddy mcdowell you know he plays peter vincent who portrays this character on tv that has his own block of horror movies and portrays himself to be a vampire hunter but then in real life he's once he realizes that jerry danders is real he's like afraid of him you know what i mean yeah um there's some great effects in this movie, like uh, um, when he, when uh, Evil Ed like transforms into the werewolf esque creature, uh, or even more cooler is when uh, Jerry Dandridge's um, henchman gets like liquefied uh, on oh the stairs. God, yeah, dude, that's right. <laughs> that fucking that shit. Oh yeah. Dude, beautiful sequence. Beautiful. <laughs> I love this movie, bro. I could talk about it all day. It's one Dude, of my like, all-time favorites. I legit think like after we get after we get done with this, I'm gonna go and like, I'm probably just gonna like buy it in my uh did my Apple library so I can fucking watch it because like legit, I like it's one of those I always try and look for but I can never find. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like just streaming wise. So it's, it's also like, like I want to get you know when people talk DVD copy. When people talk about vampire movies, you know, like you said, they're going to mention The Lost Boys. They're going to mention uh, Interview with a Vampire. They're going to mention Bram Stoker's Dracula. This is one I don't think gets enough love as it should. Uh, which I, is unfortunate. I, I agree. Which it is, it is really strange when you think of, like for how good it is, like why it gets like so overshadowed, you know? But I, I just remember being younger, and like I said, like Child's Play was one of the first movies, horror movies that I really liked. So when I discovered this and realized that it was uh, Tom Holland's direct, his first movie ever made. I was like, what a great first movie to come out with. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And it's also one of those movies that, like I said, it just, it, it encompasses why I love practical effects because they're amazing. You know, that's one thing that you can like forever take away from ev- Like, I hope we mention it on every single podcast that we do. Totally practical effects people like you cannot you cannot live your life in a cgi world all right no no, no. 
<laughs> but yeah, if whoever's listening, if for some ever, for whatever reason, it's just slipped by you, you know what I mean? Go see Fright Night because it's a fucking classic. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, not the remake. <laughs> not the- <laughs> no. There's also a there's also a se- there was a there was a sequel to this movie um that I'd never seen but it's like a continuation of Charlie where he goes to college. Um Oh really? I want yeah, I need to see it but but uh before we jump into the last two movies we're, t- we're going to talk about and both of them are it's going to be a doozy. I just have two more quick shout outs so in 1985 we had uh, you know, we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, 1985 with you know a quick turnaround with this. They obviously because the first movie, I forget it, it, the it made a shitload of money. So of course yeah. they were gonna they were gonna make a second one. And the second one is kind of like a polarizing movie because some people either really like the sequel or really don't. But nowadays it's considered one of the first like like. Uh, intentional or not like first like gay horror movies um oh yeah there's a really good there's a really there's a really good documentary uh about the um the guy that plays the main character in it and he's gay himself it's just a really good documentary about him and his life and having to live in the shadow of that character and oh that's cool yeah fuck yeah and then also uh, Demons, which if you've never seen, is a great movie about people that go to watch a movie uh, about demons and then demons come to life and this people in a theater get overrun by them. And there's all these different types of demons, great effects, beautiful movie. Diamonds. Demoni. Yeah. Demoni. Um I guess the only other, the, the only, the random one I'm going to shout out, and this is actually due to solely to, uh, uh, a uh, friend, an old friend, uh, Patrick Baker. He, okay. at one point in time, when we were all living together at the estate, he put on this movie called, uh, Vampire, well, goddamn it, I gotta get it right. Vampire Hunter D. And it's this huh. anime, it's an anime movie, but it's a really okay. dark, like foreboding vampire anime movie and it just like it, mm-hmm. it you know a, a, like a lot of like good horror it just establishes this like phenomenal like aesthetic and tone that like it to me is like hard to recapture but it does have like okay. some cool like you know jump scares and stuff it is an animated movie so you're not really getting like you know any like crazy practical effects or anything but it's a it's a cool movie i just wanted to shout it out because hmm. it's technically listed as a horror movie right um, right right but yeah man uh the last two movies like you said the last two movies we've set aside are are juicy they're rich they're they're like a, a simmering marinara you know they're, <laughs> they're, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll get mine out of the way because I know I know yours your last picks the the real home run, um, <laughs> but you know uh, 1985 gave us one of my favorite horror movies totally Re- Reanimator, Reanimator yes. is it's so glorious. fucking cool man like it's the effects are are like look great the the everything you get that i love about like some of these 80s movies like just the uh the the the, the way it looks like the, the lighting mm-hmm. in some scenes the the 
like the sound the sound effects and soundtrack that come with this movie you know things mm-hmm. like that are just inc- are incredible but but one cannot understate the uh performance of the main character um, yeah jeffrey combs is is yeah amazing it's like he's like one of those roles like him as herbert west is one of those roles where it was like you couldn't picture someone else doing it he's just so you know? yeah like it's just you know he's so focused so he he is like an under under he's like a scientist studying under like a another scientist uh who supposedly has like created this formula dr hans gruber yeah dr hans gruber is that the same guy from die hard well it's the same name (laughs) (laughs) but anyway um you know, and he supposedly created this formula that can r- bring the the dead back to life. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like a take on a zombie movie, you know, mm-hmm. if you think, you know, because he, it's centered around bringing the dead back to life. Yeah, reanimating the dead, yeah. And, uh, and but there's just some really... Like you like, said, how everything looks cool, even, even just like the syringe full of the green liquid is fucking awesome. That's what I'm saying. Like it all looked radioactive, you know? Totally. <laughs> and, and before you, before you jump into the, more about this movie, there's a couple of things that I really love about this movie. I love anything that Barbara Crampton's in. Um, I love anything that Stuart Gordon has directed and anything that Brian Usna was attached to. And that's a name that we have mentioned many times on this podcast. And he obviously went on to direct the, the sequel. But yeah, it's just that's a good one two punch. Oh yeah. The the Gordon the Gordon Usna. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um so so basically like what you like what this movie does is like it follows you know Herbert West to uh Massachusetts and there he mm-hmm. he gets a roommate named Dan and he establishes a laboratory in Dan's basement. Basement, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's very insistent on it. Like that's the thing everything Herbert West does. He is insistent and he is determined that he is, his way will be had. And like that's like the fucking like the wild thing about his character. He's just like he's like this presence that doesn't back off you know what I no mean? like which is good yeah totally yeah um, yeah he's like dead he's dead set on like uh carrying on what the person who studied under like he wants he wants to make this work you know what yeah. i mean his whole it seems like his whole life goal at this point is to make this uh um this work you know what i'm yeah. saying and you know sh- uh, after a fashion, he basically they they him and you know Dan who discovers what's kind of going on. Uh, yeah, through, ex- his dead cat. You know? Yeah, he reanimates <laughs> Dan's dead cat, and <laughs> and so Dan kind of in a way just you know sort of partners up with with West. Um, yeah, and they move it from there to like you know immediately wanting to try it on on a dead human body and they end up sneaking into uh the morgue at the university that that their medical students at and yes uh that's when they reanimate their first some hilarity ensues (laughs) obviously some hilarity ensues when in some of these scenes but yeah yeah um yeah i i just like i i just feel like there you know there's this really interesting plot that kind of unfolds with yeah, that's what makes it not just a zombie movie is like there's like this right. interesting plot that unfolds with like you know um oh fuck what's her name god damn it 
now I'm blanking on the character's name. Dan's uh, girlfriend's uh, like Megan. Yeah. yeah, her like father ends up, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, he's like, the dean. Yeah. Oh man. He ends up, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting killed and brought back to life at one point. You but, know, like, like, real quick, like you mentioned earlier, how Herbert West is like dead set on this. It's even shown where you know they they try it on this first corpse, it doesn't work, and then he's like. Oh well, let's try it on this person who just died because maybe it'll take with a freshly dead corpse, like exactly. like you said. Like he just he wants this to work. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, the, he's not waiting. Like he wants. Yeah, like the, if, if any variable can be tested, he's like, I'm there. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um. Anyway, like you know, it just it just all culminates in such a interesting fashion because it's not um not the dean, it's the the head of the medical. Dr. Hill, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Hill. So Dr. Hill eventually, um, it's just that he's, he's reanimated, but he, he gets reanimated in this really cool way where it's his head and his mm-hmm. body are two separate, separate and like yeah. things. And so, you know, like it's a really cool dynamic to see him interacting with things like having a body like his body pick him up and like it's amazing. his head and like while he's talking and stuff and you're just like, I don't know. It's just a, it's really well done. Like there's and, also that hel- that hilarious scene where he goes back to the to the lab and has this like fake head on and sneaks into the lab while talking to the security. It's a, it's hilarious. Like we're not I mean. doing it justice, but it's a great fucking they, scene. They just they do a really a really good job of like sprinkling in some like totally in there you know what i mean and that kind of keeps you i think it just it's it's one of the things that just overall helps the whole aesthetic of the movie because it's Mm -hmm. a fantastical thing that there is like being you know presented like this guy's Mm -hmm. gonna he he can reanimate corpses like and true you know it's it's kind of fun to it's but overall like i you know it's again like i feel like this is a staple of horror movies you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I wish I had a poster up on my wall, like a reanimator poster. I'm really miffed that I don't have one, actually. Uh, you know, because like the cover even like is iconic. Like everything about oh, this yeah. movie is iconic. Like, and it's sprung. I, I'm not like a huge, huge fan of the sequels. And I've only seen like, I think like one. But there's okay. technically like a few like random spinoff sequel yeah. kind of movies for this pro- this property. And, and they all have their own merits, but... It- it's definitely the first one. There's a reason why it's a cult classic, and there's a reason why so many people thoroughly enjoy this movie, and why, and why, like you said, it's got this massive fan base and is still remembered to this day. It's unique. It's creative. It's got horror elements. It's comedic. It's got some great effects. It's got some memorable scenes, like you know the really creepy scene where she's strapped down to the table. And there's like the head joke. The zombie, you know I mean? yeah. yeah, giving the zombie head or the reanimated head giving head. Like, and there's also the cool ending, which kind of gives you like uh, Bride of Frankenstein vibes. You know what I mean? It's a really well done movie. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think one of, to one of his successes is that it paid attention to other um, properties within that realm, like zo- like mm-hmm. zombie movies, like the. Uh, or even like you know like you said like frankenstein bride of frankenstein kind of properties where it like it you know learned some things i think uh to pay homage to you know, yes. while they were making this movie which i think helped uh, helped to just establish its its character and presence even more yeah it's one of it's one of those movies where i didn't i uh i'll be honest the, the first time i watched it was like a year or two ago but 
I, I'm just glad that I came around it l- later rather than never. Because I've always heard so many good things about it. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, why the fuck didn't I, haven't I seen this earlier? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how I, feel, a, I, I mean, that's how I feel like every movie we keep, we've been talking about. Like if somebody hasn't witnessed one of those movies, like that's it. Like you, like mm-hmm. you have that moment of like, we're going to watch them and you'll be like, why the fuck haven't I watched this? You know? Yeah. Now, now I kind of like how you just said you want to go watch Fright Night. Now, when I get off work tonight, I'm, I'm probably going to watch Reanimator. Nice, uh, man. Text yeah, me, text me about it wrong. if you do. I will. But yeah, the sequels are all the sequels are all right. You know, they they don't have the same like like uh, like power of the that the first one did, but they're still entertaining. Yeah, it's also you know we we you know we it's obviously uh, one of those movies that's that's uh, you know based off of an H.P. Lovecraft property. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of that out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lovecraft was a good, like, in, in, like, you know, again, like, sort of like one of those, you know, really influential uh, story storytellers. Not that Lovecraft's totally. Like, not that Lovecraft's to be admired, you know, themselves, but. Um, but yeah, I like anything Stuart Gordon and Brian use now. So you yeah. really cannot cannot go wrong. Well, and that reminds that that takes us right into your last pick because it's another. You can't go wrong, director. Oh my God! Yeah, so, yeah. You cannot go wrong with Argento, and uh, I'm so happy that we're finally talking about this in like a good because I've talked about it before multiple times. I've mentioned it. I briefly talked about it, um, but you've you've been like finally a boiling pot of water, just like like about ready. to overflow, yeah. like ready to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ready to boil over. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. So, 1985's Phenomena is uh, one of my favorite horror movies ever made. And I know I said this before, but it's going to be kind of like a hot take, but it's also my favorite Argento movie. Um, And I know a lot of people aren't a fan of it. There's people that are a fan of it. I think it's one of those movies where either you love it or you're not, you just really didn't connect with it. I love everything about it because it's got everything that makes an Argento movie, but the dial is turned up. Um, like I said before, I think it's one of those times where it was, you know, he had made a bunch of movies up to this. And I think he finally made something that he wanted to just go balls to the walls and do whatever he wanted to do with it. Cause boy, totally. is this movie nuts? Totally, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah, man, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna obviously I want you to talk about it the most, but you know, this has some really, had, like all Argento movies has some really great use of uh, music to like drive some oh, scenes yeah. and stuff like that, and you know, you get some, yeah, you get some great deaths, you, you know, uh, yeah, there's some glass trauma. There's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but, I love, I love, I love that. Like the first time I watched it, like that first death, like there's some, there's some, there's amazing deaths in this movie, but the first death where, you know, her, her head blasts into the glass, but just the shot of that, her head getting thrown down the waterfall. is fucking great. Yeah, dude. It's so <laughs> cool, man. 
and yeah you're right like there's there's a there's a at least a couple instances of like great uh glass glass related like glass or like you know a head going through the window yeah kind of shot like classic totally oh i fucking love it um but just everything about this movie the setting you know that's like a, a good setting where she's at this you know girls school uh but just there's so many nutty things about this movie you know she's got this psychic link to bugs uh mm-hmm. um donald pleasance plays this entomologist who has a pet chimpanzee who ends up killing uh frau at the end like dude it's the- just like i'm saying it's a nutty nutty movie and i think if anybody else tried to make a movie like this it would have fucking been awful i mean i agree i think like i think argento he could he pulled it off um but i don't think like a lot of people could could like have the reputation the vision to like m- you know <laughs> make that work um but yeah dude, donald pleasance like as an entomologist like he uh there's that shot you know it's a really grisly looking shot where um he's like talking to those detectives kind of early on in the movie and he's mm-hmm. describing like the life cycle of, of the fly and mm-hmm. they like unveil the thing that he's been studying to help them give like oh, it's accurate death date and it's just like this grody like rotting like head with a like, covered in maggots and you get these like close-up shots of uh, and stuff like that oh it's yeah fucking just yeah it's the head from the girl that got the cap yeah it is ooey gooey and gross yes (laughs) it's it's awesome it's beautiful yeah but also i just like i just want to say say? it is it is cool to see donald pleasance you know like you know he has he has like a history in film and everything but you know it's always fun to see him in something other than as loomis and and how totally you know because he he's more like light-hearted and just like a gets to play like kind of it, he's, it's still a weird role, but more of like a normal role where obviously mm-hmm. in Halloween, he's playing this character who's had this long history with Michael Myers and therefore has led him to have these moments where he is an asshole or he, you know what I mean? But in this, he gets to just play this sweet old man with a, with a pet chimpanzee. With, with a pet chimp. <laughs> I wonder how they, and one thing that, that I'm amazed about this movie too is like how they got this chimpanzee to do the things it did um it's impressive yeah i mean well and i feel like this was a thing that was happening right around the time where like for some reason like monkeys and movies were like was kind of popular like i can't quote the year but there is like that clint eastwood movie with the fucking orangutan there's like you know it it it's like and there's other examples i just that's the one that always sticks out to me but then the, the, it's just like i don't know why but for some reason i feel like in the 80s people were trying to plug mo- monkeys into movies totally. as like the, the new partner in crime <laughs> well it's kind of like you know we talked we we at one point we reviewed shockma and that's another one where they got this baboon to do all kinds of fucking crazy shit like but it, like there's like yeah dude shockma is fucking wild but that you know you you, you know there are shots in this in phenomena where like like where where uh the the chimp walks like with jennifer conley over to the the stair lift and mm-hmm. like gets on the stair lift presses the button it's cute yeah like cool. like you know it's just like well just because it's like such a it's like a it's not like a fast-paced sequence either like they take you know it's like a they take the they time, take the time walking over it. the room yeah. and so it's just sort of like it is cool to see like how well tr- like 
the chimp performed i guess i don't know totally it's <laughs> like, also like a, what a, i'm trying to say a long a long sequence later in the movie where it's out on its own after uh um oh yeah you know after uh um Don- john mcgregor donald yeah. pleasant's character gets brutally killed coming that's a cool shot too where he's coming down the stair lift and can't see who the person is at the bottom and gets killed by the killer like wearing like a raincoat yeah, but there's a like scene the pole yeah the pole with the attachable uh blade it's awesome dude it's so it's cool. fucking awesome uh but yeah there's this like long scene where the where uh inga the, ch- the 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 chimp is like digging through a garbage can and finds a switchblade <laughs> in there it's so random but it's yeah. a it's a cute chimpanzee but i just i think it's cool how the chimpanzee at the end comes in to save Jennifer at the end and kills Frau. It's, but that, the whole movie is amazing. It's filled with plenty of great uh, cinematography, music, kills, set pieces. But the last fucking, and the a thing I like about a lot of Argento movies is that the movies always end on this crazy note. There's always a crazy last scene. But this movie is just ramped up to like 200 in the last 20 minutes the, the sequence with uh where jennifer makes her way down to the basement uh the detective is chained up she falls into that oh it's so disgusting the gigantic pit of maggots and rot god damn it's so disgusting all the skeletons and maggots in that pool that's i couldn't even imagine how bad that would smell and how disgusting that was well Geiger breaks his own fucking hand to escape the cuffs, beats Frau to death, you think. And then Jennifer discovers her son, Patau, which is named after Patau syndrome, which obviously in the movie, it's a little more uh, extreme, but that's like an actual disease that you can have where your face disfigurement. But she discovers her son that lives in the basement. That's a fucking creepy looking makes her way out to the boat he chases her out she has a swarm of flies come in to fucking brutally maul his face they fall into the water uh she escapes to the shore and then uh as she gets to the shore her father's like um her father's like friend who uh morris who you know she had spoke on the phone with earlier to come pick her up shows up out of nowhere as they're running to embrace frau runs up out of nowhere and fucking decapitates him and it's an amazing decapitation and then the monkey comes and kills frau which just such a nart like i'm not doing this justice it is one of the most insane last 15 10 20 minutes of a movie you'll ever see well, dude, because like it just you 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 think it's ramped up enough, and then it just ramps totally. and ramps and ramps, and like you know, it's it just, amazing. Yeah, the the yeah you mentioned the swarm of flies, and there's there's like that shot, and then there's another sequence with like a lot large swarm of flies in the movie, and like I kept wondering during both, I was just like, how, like how did they like attract these flies or like uh-huh. you know make that sh- that that happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Oh, dude, that ending though. You're right. It's just like I don't know. You just you just get boom, bap, boom, bap. And like, oh you just, yeah. You just get it's so cool. There's uh, a lot. It, there's a lot that happens. It, it it it. Yeah, the whole movie is like 
balls to the wall. Um, I don't know, man. I, I love yeah. it. It's yeah, it's fucking, it is fucking solid. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, the, I feel like that's like a pre labyrinth Jennifer Conley too, you know? So it's like a really young Jennifer Conley. She's super young. Um, yeah. And uh, it's kind of like funny. It's just kind of funny to see her in like something really, like really early, but she, you know, again, plays this. It's just like the character she plays just doesn't have any control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she may have a psychic link to, you know, insects, but totally, totally. She just, everything around her is just happening and she just has to like deal with it, you know? But yeah, one, of my, good, one of my yeah. favorite shots is when she gets like, it's just like when she gets like back to the school at one point and like all the students are like reading a letter uh, or, oh, like, or something like that that she wrote and and they're all mocking her and this, the, the frow's mocking her and, and she like just like has this intense moment where she summons millions of fucking flies to the goddamn window and you see this like it shows this outward shot and this huge dark swarm like it just massive and mm-hmm. you know I, it just it makes you think like a legit like dude the power over insects like that that is some shit man like that could that could really do some damage you know like it's true it's an interesting that's what i mean that's just like i feel like that's something that only it's, uh argento could have made it you is know what I such mean? a unique element to bring to a character in a movie like this mm-hmm. for sure like he could have easily just made this a straightforward mysterious killer movie but yeah. like adding like an element like that like he said just shows that he's willing to ramp it up like he's willing to test you as a viewer to like what you'll you know you want to see or like what you want yeah. like what the experience can be it's it's fucking it's true cool, man it is fucking you know what cool. you know how you mentioned this scene with uh where the insects are covering like the exterior of the school yeah uh so they actually it was like an interesting way how they achieved that so they uh they dumped a bunch of coffee grounds into a tank of water filmed it and then superimposed that footage over an existing background shot oh whoa it's pretty, no it's pretty interesting that is why that, that is so fucking creative dude like that mm-hmm. that's super that's just, cool that's what i'm saying like these days that wouldn't happen but that's the creativity that these filmmakers went to back in the day yeah and then like we said the, a cool thing about this movie too is that, you know in most of his movies he uh you know he teamed up with goblin a lot or members of goblin but this one had more it, it had uh um uh iron maiden you know it had mm-hmm. more like this this like heavy metal soundtrack which is which i think worked for the movie yeah dude it 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 definitely like it definitely worked for the movie and it was but yeah it was cool to see like it's again i feel like something that you don't necessarily get too often anymore is like like a really bold soundtrack yeah know, where it's it like that's a good like, word it doesn't because you know it's like I don't know. I think it jives because I think the music he chooses really helps like uh, push like his sequences further and like it help. Mm-hmm. It really is like a part of the scene. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, it's like you don't. I don't know. You just don't see somebody sh- thrown in like a fucking Iron Maiden track in the middle of a fucking horror movie anymore. You know? Right. What I mean? Yeah. <laughs> another another interesting thing about this movie is that like. Um, part of it like the the bugs and everything was inspired by the fact that 
he learned that like uh, insects are sometimes used during like murder investigations. Oh, so that is like so a that's, legit thing, huh? That's why that's like an integral plot, you know, where he talks, like in that scene where you mentioned where he talks about, uh, you know, um, the, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's that, it's that scene when the, when he's talking about where, like the yeah, he talk, yeah, he talks about the life cycle of yeah. them. And, you know, at this point, they're a larva. And at this point, they're, you know what I mean? It's just interesting. You know, yeah. you would have never thought of that, so. No, fuck no, dude. That's wild. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It is it is an amazing movie with so many memorable things that happen. Uh, yeah. I know we say this a lot, like, you know, pretty much like we kind of wrap up every episode by saying, you know, if you haven't seen this movie or even if you have, go see it. Like I more than any other movie for anyone that's listening that hasn't seen it, please, 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 please go watch Phenomena. And I really hope you come away with it. Uh, with as much love for the movie as I did, or at least in, enjoy it. So, fuck yeah! No, I think that's a great. I think that's a great way of looking uh, of looking at it. It's and it's true. Like phenomena, uh, reanimator, all that. Like I said, like oh, all yeah. these movies, like they're yeah, varying levels of like what's you know of like how like you know necessity in terms of like staples and horror movies, but some of them like like the last two here are like oh yeah i think you know if our if our buddy if our buddy dusty was here they'd be quintessential quintessential yeah you know they're not essential they're not your run-of-the-mill horror fair they're very unique creative entertaining movies but that's the whole genre though that's what i love about the genre the genre pushes and pulls and makes you like it for it makes you believe or try things uh that you you wouldn't like n- normally think about or pursue or believe in and that's a, and yeah. i think that's one of the things that you know brings the horror movies such a unique or horror directors like a very unique edge is that they can sometimes embrace that like argento does and really use it to push the like how his film looks or how mm-hmm. you know how, what kind of like you know music will be ex- like accepted in this and like you know yeah you're not afraid of polarizing you're just afraid of like you're just putting making something that you know some people will really love you know totally totally and even if they don't you know what i mean fuck them yeah exactly. <laughs> I, just, I feel like this is like a passion project for him you know so, yeah because a lot of his movies a lot of his movies are you know nuts or there's parts of it that are so different than any other horror director but this one like i said is just next level hell yeah all right well hey we'll uh we'll we'll have to leave this episode there um because Mm -hmm. we covered a lot of really fucking solid stuff but we're not done with the 80s yet no not not quite yet we still have some years to dig into yes we do though we wrap we're, we're wrapping up 83 through 85 we'll be back next episode with some fresh ones so yes sir fresh years um all right well hey we'll leave it there david do you have any final thoughts um uh, no just go you know go, go watch, watch fucking orcs. phenomena you idiots <laughs> yeah there we, there we go there we go all right well then good day hot dogs <laughs>